bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. I'm Paul Dragu. The free speech video sharing platform Rumble is an alternative to the deep state controlled YouTube. And yesterday it incurred what its CEO called an unprecedented attack. One he suspects may have something to do with the raw January 6th footage that was recently uploaded onto the platform. Also, a judge in Louisiana overturned an election he deemed too fraudulent to let stand. And thanks to a combination of high home prices and high interest rates on those homes, home ownership is now unaffordable. We're gonna look at these stories as well as an interview with award-winning TV journalist Liz Collin, who is the author of They're Lying, The Media, The Left, and The Death of George Floyd. But first, some of the world's most influential people have been meeting at the United Nations COP28 climate conference in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, where they use a fake climate crisis as an excuse to apply very real totalitarian controls over every aspect of your life. Now, the New American and our parent company, the John Birch Society, have been warning about these people and their plans for at least three decades. We even reported from location on the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro in 1992, when this scam really began taking off. This year's no different. We've sent a small team of correspondents to Dubai, and one of them joins us today. So Alex is a senior editor at the New American Magazine, and he joins us from Dubai. Hey, Alex. How's it going, Paul? Hey, so I hear that uh, we're on the cusp of a one world religion there. You have some developments on uh, on that front there. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, we spent a little bit of time at the uh, Abrahamic family house today over in Abu Dhabi. It was an interesting place. It was uh, opened up earlier this year. Um, it's uh, a joint collaboration of Pope Francis, uh, one of the big uh, imams, the uh, grand imam of Al-Azhar, I think, the, the big uh, Egyptian mosque or whatever, and then uh, some rabbis. So. They've got a big church, a big mosque, and a big synagogue on this compound. It's uh, fascinating. And, um, yeah, we spent a little bit of time over there, and it's a call for unity and fraternity among all believers and non-believers, except for extremists. Extremists are bad, is what the uh, the declaration says. And there's no definition of extremist, but um, I, I do wonder if that would include, um, you know, Christians who believe Jesus is the only way to the Father. I don't know. Uh, curious so 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 what's the unify what what unifies all these religions is it our um our mission to save the planet is that what they're pitching well uh they mentioned abraham to us and of course yeah the the environmental angle has been critical of course they have the first uh, ever faith pavilion here at the un cop 28 so that's a big deal and um yeah, the Pope was supposed to be here to inaugurate it. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to come due to a health issue, so he sent uh, the Vatican Secretary of State. And uh, he did say that uh, hurting the environment is an offense against God and that we have an obligation to God to, to be good uh, stewards of the environment, which includes uh, apparently not hurting the climate. And, uh, you know, if you believe CO2 is bad for the climate, then CO2 emissions uh, are a sin, I guess, in that view. So Yeah. Another topic that we've... we've um talked about but i think we which merits uh, more mention is that you the the environment for has been very hostile toward reporters like you and it continues to be so right i mean I, you're at the end there but uh can you fill us in on any other further developments on that end 
Yeah, it's, it's been extremely hostile to reporters. And unfortunately, um, a lot of the uh, officials with the U.S. government, both uh, on the legislative side and on the executive branch side, uh, have been very, very hostile. It's um, it's very sad, right? You, yeah. you can't even ask questions that they don't want to hear, even if they're phrased respectfully. It, it, they just get uh, really upset. They, you know, they, they start intimidating. They start writing down your information on your badge. They start cussing. Um, we've well, got some of these interactions on film. It's uh, it's very sad. It's a sad. It's not the America that we all thought we knew and loved. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess they would argue. Well, we're in Dubai now, and even if we're Americans, we can act like uh, like tyrants. It seems like. Uh, well, and we're on UN property. Where they they call this UN jurisdiction, this blue zone area, and so um, yeah. And you know, all, all the government officials here, all the diplomats, they all have diplomatic immunity. All the UN officials, uh, they are above the law in the most true sense of the term they cannot be prosecuted they cannot be searched they cannot be uh, held accountable uh, virtually in any way uh, under the laws of whatever nation they're operating in this is of course what has contributed to the un's peacekeeping troops running around the world repeatedly getting caught systematically raping children and it's, it's just it's a horror show all around so the diplomatic community is another big issue that ought to be addressed as well yeah now speaking of uh, not be um, speaking of some of these lawmakers i guess who who may be disrespectful or pushing back you had some uh you had an interaction with Alaska's Lisa Murkowski, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I actually was. Uh, I, I spoke with uh, six out of the seven U.S. senators who were here. Uh, I wasn't able to catch uh, Senator Cardin. He obviously didn't want to talk after my question during the press conference. But uh, yeah, Lisa Murkowski, the Republican, I, I guess was the token sensible person, the token Republican. Uh, the other six were all Democrats. Lisa Murkowski is what uh, many Republicans and conservatives call a Republican in name only. Uh, but she did acknowledge uh, some of the absurdity uh, of what's going on here as far as you know, the communist Chinese are continuing to explode in terms of CO2 emissions while the U.S. government is forcing us to commit economic suicide under the guise of saving the climate. Yeah. Well, we have a clip of, of that interaction, so we're going to play that and then we're going to be right back with it. Uh, the Chinese are building coal-fired power plants faster than anybody can even count them. Their CO2 footprint is going up by massive amounts. How is all this stuff by the United States going to make any dent, on, assuming the, the greenhouse gas theory is correct, how is it going to make any dent with the Chinese doing what they're doing? Everybody needs to be a participant in the broader global the solution. Is not. You, you pointed out what, what we know to be correct, that in fact they are continuing to build coal-powered uh, facilities at a considerable rate, just as they are working to build out their renewable, but it doesn't offset their, what they're, what they're doing with coal. To get the and so, so again, when you're here at COP, I haven't met with any of the Chinese, um, but the Chinese need to be part of this discussion. But will the U.S. government keep doing this even if the Chinese don't? I mean, is that keep not going to uh, decarbonizing, slashing energy, causing prices to go up? I, mean, I think the United States will do what they believe is, is clearly in, in the United States' economic and security best interests. Um, we will continue to produce the resources that we have while also being very cognizant of our responsibility when it comes to reducing emissions. Wow, Alex. So it's like uh, you mentioned this yesterday, too. It's the the uh, the sentiment is this is unstoppable. It doesn't see, it seems like whatever whatever logical points that you bring there, whatever rationality, whatever facts you bring there, they're going to continue on. They're staying the script, huh? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we have to keep doing the right thing regardless of what others do. We have to bring the Chinese to the table. Yeah, good luck bringing Xi Jinping to the table. Yeah, Xi Jinping, please destroy your economy. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, they all know, at least Murkowski knows, all those Democrat senators who are here know, Joe Biden knows that the communist Chinese are not going to stop building coal-fired power plants. They're not going to stop selling us stupid solar panels and windmills uh, built in factories powered by coal power uh, so that they can collect our taxpayer money in the form of subsidies. Of course, they're going to continue doing that. Anybody with a brain would keep doing that. If the U.S. government wants to uh, force our nation to commit suicide, the communist Chinese will laugh all the way to the bank. Any other significant uh, takeaways as this thing uh, wraps up? Well, what they're pretending to be struggling about is whether we're going to phase out fossil fuels completely or we're going to phase down fossil fuels or we're not going to mention fossil fuels at all. But ultimately, as far as I'm concerned, this is all smoke and mirrors. Uh, the U.S. government, Western governments are going to continue dismantling what's left of the economies of what used to be known as Christendom, the West. Uh, the free world and the communist Chinese, the Russians, the South Africans, the Arabs are going to continue expanding their use of fossil fuels. They're going to continue building power plants. They're going to continue laughing at the Western world while we chop off private parts from our children, while we shut down our power plants. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, the Biden administration, they came up with this uh, new methane deal. Uh, Stephen Moore over at the Heritage Foundation crunched the numbers. If, uh, if it's implemented, which the Biden regime claims it will be, uh, it would take down at least 60% of our power generating capacity. So uh, prepare for blackouts, prepare for third world country status if these totalitarians in Washington, D.C. are not stopped. Right. And that's not too far off in the future. In fact, we've had some blackouts. Uh, they have rolling blackouts in California already. And of course, when there was that storm back in even in Texas, the whole thing just fell apart and people, you know, burned pieces of paper and books in their houses and whatnot. So it sounds like we can uh, look forward to more of that. Well, Alex. We thank you so much uh, for um, your coverage, and we look forward to we're going to be we're going to start unloading a lot of this uh, more footage of what you know your interviews with these uh, legislators. Uh, thank you so much, and safe travels home. All right, thank you, Paul. And I hope people won't despair. They need to get involved. They need to get active. They need to be calling their members of Congress. The House can defund this stuff. The states can resist this stuff. But uh, sitting around on the couch is not going to cut it. So everybody's got to be involved. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you brought that up. This is all hands on deck. Of course, this is. We're going to continue to encourage people. You need to get involved. Thank, thank you, Alex. Coming up, the free speech video platform Rumble incurs a major attack. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend to protect them. Working with people like you for over 50 years, preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow. Safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power. We are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society. Welcome back, folks. Now, you may have noticed that the Canadian-based video sharing platform, Rumble, was not working for quite some time. The CEO of the company, Chris Pavlovsky, said that they had incurred an unprecedented attack. He said it had been happening since the weekend. He also had a theory about why it was happening. He said in a tweet that the suspected attack was political and that it was, quote, coming from activists and or organizations who want to censor our creators 
and related to J6 videos being posted on Rumble. Now in November, House Speaker Mike Johnson said he would release thousands of hours of footage from the January 6th coverage. He said in a statement that the goal was to let people see for themselves what happened as opposed to relying on the interpretation of a small group of government officials. As it just so happens, the House Administration Subcommittee on Oversight began posting J6 footage on Friday on Rumble. Hmm. So Rumble launched in 2013, but it became the popular platform it is now only in the last couple of years. It can thank YouTube's censorship-fueled purge that began in 2020 for its abrupt rise. According to a statement from Pavlovsky, the number of active users on Rumble rose from 1 million to 30 million in a year. The biggest reason for this rise is simple. Rumble allows people to say what they want, unlike YouTube. And as a result of its service, Rumble has been taking fire. But the company has also gone on the offensive. In November, Rumble announced it was suing two co-founders of the supposed watch group organization, Check My Ads, which is a tax-exempt corporation that targets news outlets and platforms that have the gall to host unapproved views. These people have a track record of launching pressure campaigns against advertisers. Their goal is to impoverish the companies by getting advertisers to pull their support. Now, unsurprisingly, Check My Ads works with George Soros Media Matters, which also has launched an aggressive campaign against Elon Musk's X platform. So join me to discuss today's stories as editor-in-chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit, and the John Birch Society Research Manager, Christian Gomez. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Paul. Hello. So... Um, we were getting calls here at headquarters from people who weren't able to see our videos. We upload a lot of our videos to Rumble. I think this is another uh, case in point, another uh, illustration that I think the power elite structure and the, peop the people within them, they're terrified. They are terrified of people being red-pilled. They are terrified that people are going to continue to learn that they've been lying about everything, including J6, including obviously COVID injections, including elections, over and over. And this seems like just desperation after desperation to stop the flow of information that you're not supposed to know. What do you think, Gary? Are you surprised this is happening? No, not, not at all. But uh, I would say in a nutshell, they are terrified that the truth is getting out. And they recognize... I think maybe more fully than some of us do the power of truth because truth is a very powerful weapon yeah and we never must forget that the other side that the the globalists uh who are working for for the new world order they have to rely not on truth they have to rely on the inferior substitute of falsehood yeah yeah and it's amazing what a little bit of truth can can accomplish so they're, they are going to do everything they can to prevent that truth from getting out. Well, I hope they don't do everything they can, I suppose, because one of the things we had mentioned yesterday is this possibility of taking down the Internet under a false attack. Mm -hmm. Again, at this point, nothing is too crazy. Christian, wh what is your take on this development and the overall picture here of uh, what's really happening? Well, I concur with what Gary just said. Um, and if you look at the uh, what footage has been shown on the mainstream media about J6? So what, what footage you've seen on ABC, NBC, CNN, and so forth, even Fox? Most of the footage that we've seen on those channels have been when um, when the Democrats were leading the J6 investigation and the select images that yeah. looked the worst. Those were the ones we were uh, shown. Sure. But now that we have Speaker Mike Johnson, he's released all or mo the majority of the footage. 
Um, the mainstream media aren't showing those clips because it doesn't fit the narrative. So it's up to places like Rumble, Umaker, yeah. Odyssey, all the alternative video platforms to show that stuff because YouTube isn't going to be hosting a lot of that probably no, as well. No. Yeah. So it's no surprise that there would be efforts made by the deep state, by the FBI and others intelligence community to suppress those videos from getting out because people start to see that and yeah. they start to realize that what we're told is not the truth. Yeah, I, and I, obviously we have we don't have any information saying absolutely this is what it is. But again, we have it from the CEO of Rumble saying it's either these organizations or the deep state. They're probably working uh, hand in hand. Um, now, I've seen a lot of the, well, I haven't watched necessarily, but if you go to Rumble, you were mentioning how the Democrats cherry-picked some of the coverage. But if you go and they've uploaded hours and hours of it, it's quite boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it's just people like sitting around waving flags. They have all this footage of like people filing in, filing out and whatnot. And I think that alone, that alone kind of gives you an idea of what yes. was happening there, which was just like nothing, nothing. Like, yeah. like all the violence they keep talking about, whatever, that is a minuscule part. And I would argue it's not representative based on what we know so far of the actual event. What do you think, Gary? Well, I, I think the fact that you would have uh, a police presence and that they would welcome people into the Capitol, open the door and whatnot, and uh, uh, have the, uh, uh, the Trump people come in, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. Uh, no, obviously there were windows that were, were broken. There were things that should not have happened, and the people uh, uh, guilty for those things uh, yeah. obviously should have been prosecuted. Uh, but that that is not representative of the typical person who was who walked into the Capitol. No, no. But I, I want to go back to this to this control over the narrative. Now, there's a recent poll that shows that only uh, 37 is it 32 percent of people actually believe. Thank you. Uh, that actually believe in the media. And then we also have a Biden's approval record. It's a record low. 37 percent so we have 32 and 30 percent so an overwhelming majority of americans what do you like? i think those numbers are still too high yeah yeah <laughs> who are these three out of ten people who actually approve of biden can you imagine it's like i, I agree but, with you well there may be people who are not paying any attention to the news mm, they probably I mean, some people likely. barely know who the president of the united states is uh, uh, a lot of people simply are not looking at what's happening yeah yeah well i wonder i mean i don't who would you why would you count those people in a poll but again it's indicative 32 percent of people actually believe the propaganda i think that's a good jump that's a i mean we remember the days especially the john birch society we've Mm -hmm. we've put out a lot of information and things like that but we also remember and we weren't there but maybe you were there there was a massive attack on the john birch society and the john birch society uh, incurred the sort of attacks and censorship that now everyone is has been subjected to. So this has been happening for a long, long time. It's just it was ratcheted up, I would say, with Trump. Well, and, and I agree, it was ratcheted up with Trump, and also ratcheted up regarding Trump supporters or MAGA. But I would say, Paul, the propaganda is not nearly as effective as it once was, because thanks to places like Rumble and the internet, and that's part and of X. it. But but also the propaganda has gotten to a point where it's my so goodness, ridiculous. if you're more conservative than Biden, if you're more conservative than uh, you know one of these uh, ultra liberal Democrats, uh, then that makes you a racist. It yeah. makes you uh, anti-Semitic. Right. Uh, if you're yeah. a Christian, if you're a traditional Catholic, uh, uh, that makes you a subversive. That makes you an enemy of the state. 
you know, uh, half the country, perhaps more than half the country, yeah. uh, now falls in the category of a subversive, according to the powers that be. Did they overplay their hand there, Christian? Then the the left wants to destroy everything that's traditional and wholesome about America and replace it with their upside down mentality of calling evil good and good evil, which scripture talks about. Yeah. I mean, uh, to add to what Gary was saying, we, and we've talked about it before, even the attacks on Mike Johnson because of his because of his Christian faith. And, and we see this kind of stuff every day. The left just wants to move out of society any aspect of, of traditional values of anything that resembles the America that has been the America for generations. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have seen that. It's clear now that's the goal, and I bet you that plays a massive role in their distrust, if anything, on the media because they have opposite values of what I'd say most Americans have. Thank you, guys. After this, a Louisiana judge erases the results of an election because of fraud. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Folks, for more news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth about the attacks on our nation from within and without since 1985. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than the New American. You get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then subscribe on the dropdown. If you prefer, you can call for a subscription, 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from eight to five central time. That again is 800-727-8783. Now let's look at our next story. So a judge in Louisiana has voided the results of a sheriff's election. It happened last week in Cato Parish in the densely populated Northwest corner of the state. Democrat Henry Whitehorn beat out Republican John Nicholson by only one vote out of 43,000 ballots cast. A recount confirmed the initial tally. However, after finding evidence that a few ballots were cast illegally, Judge Joseph Blake ordered a runoff. In his, in his ruling, Blake wrote that at least seven illegal votes were cast, making it legally impossible to know what the true vote should have been. Blake pointed to at least five absentee mail-in ballots, which were missing, that needed witness signatures, and so they shouldn't have been counted. The Associated Press also confirmed with the Cato Parish Clerk of Court that two people voted twice and four ballots were cast by people who were not qualified to vote. Whitehorn, who initially won, plans to appeal the ruling. He said in a statement that overturning an election because the winner won by one vote is essentially saying every vote matters except if the win is by one. 
Nicholson, on the other hand, called the ruling a victory for election integrity. Cato Parish has been a hotbed of election integrity issues. Its paperless touchscreen voting machines don't provide a paper trail, so only mail-in ballots can be audited. According to the AP, mail-in ballots made up about 17% of the vote in this sheriff's election. Okay, guys, so we're going to go back to our, our slogan here. Well, actually, it's not our slogan, but this is what we say. Vote on paper ballots on election day at your local precinct with voter ID and let the people watch the vote. It can't go wrong, right? Sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah. That's not what <laughs> they did, though, is it? <laughs> I don't, I mean, you have to realize that there's, you have, we have nothing to lose by doing that. And apparently everything else is risky. Everything else makes our... Well, cheaters stand to lose if we move towards paper ballots and, yeah. and election integrity and accountability. Right, right. This is what it's all about. I don't know if you were at that same uh, Republican meeting uh, at FPA some months ago, Christian, but um, representatives from, from the state legislature here in Wisconsin had told us about how every time they try to clear up voter rolls or they try to implement or push through any form of election integrity measures, they are opposed, they are sued, they are, uh, one or way or another, they, they are blocked. And like that goes back to what you said. Cheaters have to gain, and the public does not. Even ha having uh, an ID, such as a license, presenting a license to show that you are who you say well, you are. Well, that's just racist, I mean, Gary. That, that's considered uh, <laughs> racist. And, uh, but yet, so, for some reason, uh, licenses are need for other purposes outside yeah. of driving, right? Uh, I mean, uh, if you want to get a drink, for the example, TSA, that's it, Think about how <laughs> racist the TSA is. They require you to show your state ID or your driver's license or your passport to board an airplane. Yeah. That is so racist. We should just abolish the TSA. Hey, wait a minute. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Well, let's look at our next story. It is now less affordable than any time in recent history to buy a home. That's according to a Wall Street Journal article published yesterday. The journal reported that buying a home was hard enough even for those who could easily afford it just a couple years ago. The pandemic era brought a surge in home prices, but it was offset by low mortgage rates. But now home buying has taken a turn for the worse. As mortgage rates soared post-pandemic, owning a home became unaffordable. The Federal Reserve responded to inflation with significant interest rate hikes. Paired with a drastic shortage of homes, the hike created a market in which home sales are decreasing, yet prices are rising. In October, the national medium home price reached an all-time high for the month at about $392,000, and there are no indications that it's going back to pre-pandemic levels. This home buying atmosphere affects first-time and young buyers most. This will likely also continue fueling the closing gap between home ownership and renting. The average monthly new mortgage payment is 52% higher in the U.S., than the average apartment rent, according to an analysis by CBRE. Okay, guys, so I know this may sound maybe somewhat like a boring story, but what this really comes down, there, there are a few things I would say here. Uh, first of all, this is what we get for continuing to inject all that fake money into the atmosphere, of, uh, to the atmosphere, into the, into the economy. Uh, then they had to start messing with the interest rates. And now it seems like we have one of the, uh, most pronounced elements of the American dream dwindling, and that is home ownership. It's really tragic what's what's happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have uh, uh, 11 kids and 39 grandkids and counting. Oh, <laughs> wow. grandkid on the way. And, uh, 
now uh, my my youngest is um, 21 but but looking at the grandkids in, in particular yeah uh, what is it going to be like for them it uh, hurts doesn't uh, it yes yeah it hurts as a father I mean I have a kid he's nowhere near at the point where he's going to be buying a house and and we got in there just as everything really started to fall to fall apart but I think at some point they're going to make more cases for regulation at some point you know they say oh you can't afford homes and whatnot it's like this is uh this is a I don't know the Republicans fall this is greedy corporates I don't know who do you think they're going to blame Christian Oh, yeah, they are for sure are going to always blame the, um, the Republicans, whoever the president is, but most especially Republicans. They never talk about the Federal Reserve. I, I, I love those stickers that people have been putting like on gas stations at the pump when prices were rising. Uh, Biden did this? I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> the Biden did this. But in reality, reality, Biden didn't really do that. He, he does play a role in contributing to that. I mean, Congress is responsible for spending money, but more so the Federal Reserve. So can we get some little stickers that say the Federal Reserve did this and then hashtag and the Fed? Yeah. And I think that would be more accurate and more honest because that's, that's what the real problem is. The, real, the, the solution isn't necessarily to get Biden out of the White House. Sure, that helps. We, we would like him to, be not, to not be the president anymore, but the real long-term solution is to effectively abolish the Federal Reserve System and abolish the system of fractional reserve banking and go back to um, uh, to a, a true gold standard or at least a combination of gold and silver, something that has actual um, value to yeah. it to back the dollar. Otherwise, prices will continue to always exponentially increase just as they began to exponentially increase after Richard Nixon took, it off the, took us off the gold standard in 1971. Right, because, I mean, if it's not connected to something that's actually tangibly valuable they can just keep pumping that stuff out and then um what is it modern monetary theory me and steve talked about this a couple of weeks ago and so what it says is that the way these people think is that the the, the only goal is to keep inflation down right. which obviously has failed matter. what's that going they okay? think deficits do that matter but in a little time we have left uh, I, I just like to make this observation because what I can imagine is that the establishment pivot, uh, excuse me, the establishment opinion cartel is going to pivot. And they are going to say that uh, the middle class affluent lifestyle in this country that we have is no longer sustainable mm -hmm. in a society of scarcity. Mm, uh, yes. That we no longer can afford our single unit uh, suburban homes. Yeah. We no longer can afford our private uh, automobiles and private transportation. We no longer can afford uh, the affluence that we have and we're going to have to adapt a sim simpler lifestyle and get by with less. Yeah. Oh, and we can't eat that, that steak dinner either. We, we gotta eat to bugs. We need a sustainable, <laughs> a sustainable lifestyle. So eating bugs in our rented homes with our rented utensils, everything has to be rented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are we'll own nothing and you are like, to right? be happy. From the WEF. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. There was a report from the Club of Rome in 1991. I think it's called something like the Global Revolution or whatever. And they talked about why, uh, how it's these 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 rich countries, us, who are the ones sucking up all the all the resources and whatever. We are the target. People, you have to realize we are the target. This is part of it. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much for, uh, for your commentary. Thank you for joining us. And next up, the New Americans' Joe Wolverton interviews award-winning TV journalist Liz Collin, who wrote a book exposing the lies of the George Floyd saga. You don't want to miss this. Sophia paused before the door. It read, Department of Biodigital Convergence. Just inside was a new world, a better world, the one of everlasting life, of no pain, of no loss, of no problem. 
She entered the chamber and her surroundings changed. She saw around her an infinite field of waving golden grain surmounted by cloudless blue sky. The AI voice whispered gently in her mind, Welcome to the singularity. She couldn't see it and couldn't feel it, but her body had almost instantly been covered by a swarm of tiny gray multi-legged bots that melted through her clothes and into her skin. Not perceiving the nightmare, her eyes had already been consumed and the rest of her body was dissolving as the bots digested her flesh. She felt only a warmth suffusing her being. Drowsy, she drifted to sleep and her last thought was one of panic. Would she ever wake? Could a nightmare vision like this be an outcome of the much-hyped transhumanist technological singularity? Enter the world of the future as illuminated by the experience of the past in Endgame. The new book by Dennis Barrett, the publisher of The New American Magazine, and find out how the disastrous COVID pandemic response fits with the technocratic elite's thirst to create a transhumanist utopia. Get Endgame from shopjbs.org with free shipping with code ENDSHIP, E-N-D-S-H-I-P. Or get Endgame and the Great Reset Collector's issue of The New American Magazine and get free shipping plus an additional 20% off both with code N20, E-N-D-2-0. The 2020 Black Lives Matter riots and the spark that set them off, the death of George Floyd, will likely go down as one of the most demented, subversive, and unjust episodes in American history. Liz Collin was working as a news anchor at Minneapolis WCCO when the city burst into flames. She has since left the station and written a book about the lies and injustice that has prevailed. The New American's Joe Wolverton recently interviewed Colin about her documentary and book. We're going to play the interview now. Hi, this is Joe Wolverton with The New American and the John Birch Society. Today we have with us Liz Collin, the producer of the blockbuster documentary, The Fall of Minneapolis. Liz, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. All right. So to get started, tell us a little bit about your personal background and how you came to be the producer of this documentary. Yeah, so I was a longtime member of the mainstream media for nearly 20 years, about a dozen years at uh, the, the CBS affiliate in town where I was anchoring. Um, basically kind of was demoted, lost my position over all of this because I was married to a, a police officer uh, for several years at, at, at the time. But all of a sudden, uh, I think most people in law enforcement got wrapped up in this, including me and my career and such. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I was really troubled uh, working in mainstream media, how we were fine to push this very divisive, dangerous narrative and not question the facts of this case. Uh, I kept very detailed notes on, on all of this. My husband, I should say, uh, was the president of the police union, uh, a longtime uh, police lieutenant in, in Minneapolis. But but I, I wasn't reporting on the case, obviously. Uh, I was trying to, to sort of help. And I, I, I knew that, you know, the, the facts were obviously contradicting what our so-called leaders were telling us at the time. Um, and I went out and put out a book at first in October called They're Lying, the media, the left, and the death of George Floyd. And that's what led to this documentary. We wanted to do a documentary because we know not everybody takes the time to read books and we wanted to make it available for free um, and you know be easy to watch and share and such. Because because the, the truth is of all of this, uh, here, here are the facts. This is basically what we try to do is just present the facts that were hidden from you. Uh, they would they are hidden for a reason. And uh, and you can go ahead and decide for yourself. I don't think that we really take the, the role of, you know, this is what you need to think after all of this. Uh, you, you decide uh, why this was was kept from you. And, and also, we wanted to do this, too, because to this day, three years later, uh, we're all paying the consequences uh, f from from these lies. 
Absolutely, Liz. And something I love about your documentary is despite critics uh, saying that it's, you know, the obvious position of someone who's an insider and who has a vested interest in telling one side of the story, I find that your documentary is so balanced and you do tell the entire story. It doesn't feel crafted toward proving your point. It simply says, here are some things that you weren't told that are important, that are crucial to understanding the full story. So tell me, Liz, yourself and your family, you talked about how you were demoted and that your your husband is or was a police officer at the time. Did your family suffer because of your attempts to tell the, the truth? Yeah, you know, it, it was amazing how quickly uh, the mob was uh, sort of organized uh, after all of this. Uh, there was a, a protest at the, the station where I worked during the a six o'clock newscast. Uh, very shortly after this, they, they came to our home four different times in four separate protests, you know, not only demanding that that Bob uh, and, and myself be lose our careers, but be killed, too, as crazy as that sounds. We had many uh, death threats come in our mailbox. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, that, you literally had people outside your home threatening to kill you. Threatening to to burn burn our uh, town down, um, swearing at children. I mean, just completely completely terrible uh, what transpired. But you know, this is something that happened to a lot of people. We weren't we clearly were not the we're not mm -hmm. the only ones. Um, but but rather than anyone standing up and it seemed caring about uh, the the facts of the case, and that includes the media. I think the media is to blame uh, just as much as anybody else uh, for pushing this propaganda and not pushing back, which is what the you know, the media is supposed to hold the, these people accountable for lying. That is supposed to be our, our role as as journalists. Uh, that that didn't happen. Um, nobody nobody spoke up. Nobody pushed back because I think there there was that fear that entire uh, summer um, after we watched part of Minneapolis uh, burn to the ground. And, and clearly, you know, the match was struck in Minneapolis and spread uh, all across the country. Yeah, that was something that I noticed myself following the story at the time was there was just a dearth of conservatives riding to the defense or even trying to present another side of the story. It was simply uh, they simply wanted to take notice of the riots rather than well, what caused the riots. And and to hear that you and your husband and your family suffered personally simply for trying to tell the truth is it is disturbing, Liz, that we could live in a place like that. But it is uh, it is heartening that you uh, courageously tell this story, because I'm telling you from, you know, from the very opening scene to the last. It's a very balanced and a very professional uh, documentary that, of course, is getting uh, all kinds of deserved attention. Um, let me ask you finally, Liz, what, if anything, in your opinion, because you were, boy, you were in the front lines. What, if anything, could have changed the the tragic trajectory of this entire ordeal from George Floyd's death to officers being charged with murder and sentenced to more than two decades in federal prison? Is there anything along this entire path that could have gone differently and would have resulted in something in a, in a different outcome, a more favorable outcome? Yeah, I think the answer to that is very simple, and that is the truth. Uh, the truth 
would have would have helped here. I, I say to this day, I'm positive that if they would have released this body camera footage the next day, as they do in, in critical incidents in Minneapolis, it's the whole point of body camera videos on Minneapolis police officers. And they took the public frame by frame in this entire interaction with George Floyd. Uh, we simply wouldn't be here having this conversation. There was so much more to the story, so much more to George Floyd's uh, background, obviously, uh, so much more to, you know, the fact a black officer arrests George Floyd. Uh, he's complaining he can't breathe long before uh, Derek Chauvin arrives on scene. Obviously, the autopsy kind of speaks speaks for itself uh, as well. Uh, I, I'm just sure that if these uh, leaders were were transparent, like they say they they were the entire time, which is a, a blatant lie, uh, we we simply would would not be here. There, you know, there there's a reason they they hid all of this evidence for for as long uh, as they did be, because it just uh, countered what they were trying to poison the, the public with. And I think Alex King speaks to that in, in the film. He's the officer, again, the black officer who arrested George Floyd uh, on the job for three days uh, as a Minneapolis uh, police officer off of his field training. And he's sentenced to three and a half years in prison. He says, you know, don't fall for this race bait that the media pushes down your throat. Uh, you know, don't let the mob uh, rule our justice system. So, so I think uh, there, there's a lot to be said uh, about that. Once again, you have media and politicians united together in this unholy alliance in a war against the truth that we have so often. And, and you're doing a great job. You continue to do a great job. Liz, thank you so much for your thank courage you. and for your effort of putting together this documentary, which uh, tell everybody how they can see it real quick. Yeah, it's thefallofminneapolis.com, and uh, there's always more information. We keep people updated on the case, too, on Alpha News. Uh, alphanews.org is uh, where where that is. But information about the, the film, and again, it is available for free. There's also a link uh, to the book there as well, Joe. But thank you very much for the kind words and for being a very early supporter uh, of the documentary. I sure appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Liz, for your efforts. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. You can get more truth behind the news at thenewamerican.com. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow.